Um, we are going to be doing session 10 today of our inner healing series, the Master Gardening series. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 and 24. This is a, one of the scriptures that we've been standing on for the last 10 weeks. The scripture says, Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, make you sanctified, set apart, consecrated in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless, be carefully tended and taken care of until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. So over the last 10 weeks, we've been letting God, because it says God himself will do this because he's faithful. We've been coming in agreement with God. We've been looking at what his word says. First of all, we have been looking, and I will say, this has been a really difficult for, for me, probably one of the, the more challenging series to teach, because we've been looking at a lot of yucky stuff. We've been weeding. That's part of gardening, is weeding. I want to garden without weeds. If you come to my house, you're not going to find a weed. <laughs> I, I love, don't ask me why, but I love to weed. And there's not a weed in my gardens anywhere. And, uh, but there's more than weeding in a garden. There's cultivating. There's getting the soil prepared. There's planting the seed. That's the fun part. There's watching it grow. There's fertilizing it. There's tending it. There's pruning all of that we've been doing during these last 10 weeks. Today's session is called Maintaining Your Freedom. Like everything else, whether it's physical healing or whether it's soul healing, there's a whole lot more than just getting healed. There's walking out your healing. I know when I was first healed, um, it, oh, needless to say, it was amazing. I was divinely healed of stage 4 cancer. But God wanted more than that for me. He wanted me to walk in health, to stay healed and to walk in health. His, de his desire, 3 John verse 2 says, I desire above all things that you would prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers, in the proportion to your soul prospering. He wants us in health, but there's even more. I believe God wants us to walk in divine life, divine healing, divine health, divine life. So this, this teaching on maintaining your freedom is receiving everything that God has for us and living it out. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, and we've been dealing with thief stuff a lot. But Jesus came that we may have and enjoy life and have it to the full and to the overflow. So maintaining your freedom is that overflow part. It's walking in divine health. It's walking in divine life. So we're going to talk about three or four big ideas today. The first one, and this is, this is a, a central focus, is that we need to know what we carry as sons and daughters of God. We need to know what we possess. We are empowered. We are commissioned. And because we're empowered and commissioned, we walk and we carry the same thing, friends, that Jesus walked in and that Jesus carried. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you with scripture. Luke 
chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 from the Message Bible. Jesus now called the 12 and gave them authority and power to deal with all the demons and cure diseases. He commissioned them to preach the news of God's kingdom and heal the sick. So this was while Jesus walked on the earth. So this happened before he actually redeemed us from the curse. He was pointing to the heart of the Father. Jesus carried authority and power. And then he gave it. He commissioned his apostles to carry that same authority and the power. The purpose of the authority and the power, according to this scripture, and this is repeated numerous times in the Bible, was to cast out demons and to heal the sick. We've been dealing over the last 10 weeks with deception of the enemy, lies of the enemy, junk of the enemy. We've been dealing with that and curing the sick. I told you from the get-go, and I've told you over and over, that the only reason, the main reason, the big reason we're doing this series is because I want to see you whole in every area. And if there's something on the inside that we need to deal with in our soul to help us on the outside, whatever that is, I want to address it. So he gave them authority and power, and then he commissioned them. We're going to talk about commissioning in just a minute. He commissioned them to preach the news of God's kingdom and to heal the sick. So I want to talk about those two words, authority and power. The first word, authority, in the Greek is the word exousia. The word authority means the, po <clears throat> excuse me, the power of influence and right privilege. Exousia means the right to exercise power. It must be obeyed or submitted to. Now think of all of that in relationship to anything the enemy wants to throw at you. It must be obeyed or submitted to. And exousia is the ability or strength with which one is endued. That's exousia. Now Matthew 7, 29, I'm going to read it from the screen. This is Jesus. This scripture is at the very end of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7 are all in red because Jesus is speaking. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is sharing the kingdom news. And at the very, very end it says, um, everybody was, uh, I, I should have done the scripture right before this, but it says everybody was amazed with wonder because he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So that was Jesus. That's that word exousia. Jesus amazed everybody as he was sharing and, and expounding on the kingdom of God because it was different. It was different than the teachers of the law. It was different. It was, it was, um, there was a power of influence and right privilege. I'm just reading our definition. It, Jesus carried this right to exercise power that must be obeyed or submitted to. Did demons flee when Jesus spoke? Did people get healed when he spoke? Oh, yeah. That authority that he commissioned to the apostles, authority comes through commission. Authority comes when it's authorized. So the apostles could only walk in authority if they embraced Jesus' mission, if they agreed stood in agreement, believed it, and said, okay, I agree. I come into commission with you, Jesus. They could only walk in that authority as they 
embraced Jesus' mission. The word commission, you notice I spelled it kind of funny. I put the hyphen in there. That's not really how you spell it. There's not a hyphen in that word. But I wanted you to notice the prefix and the root word. The prefix co means together or partnership. If you put that prefix, together or partnership, with the root word mission, it means that you are partnering with a mission. These apostles were commissioned to partner with Jesus' mission. And his mission, part of his mission, he had multiple parts of his mission, but part of it is in 1 John 3. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So that's part of his mission. And that's part of what the apostles were partnering with, or they were commissioned to do. They had the authority. Jesus gave it to them. Now listen to this. In Matthew 28, this is at the very end, last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus commissioned us the same way that he commissioned the apostles. Jesus came and spoke to them, his followers, and he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. And the word observe is, is if you look it up, it's observe to do. Teaching them to observe to do. All the things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So be it. So Jesus is saying, I'm with you. He says, all authority has been given to me. And he says, okay, now you go. Go, therefore. And we were commissioned. I'm going to read another uh, commission out of another gospel in a minute that gives even more detail. But we were commissioned. We're an authorized user of the authority of God, the same authority that Jesus carried. We have, um, I'm, I'm just giving you a, a, an analogy right now. In our family, we have a family plan with our phones. And I think we have seven people on our plan right now in my family, lots of people, my mom and dad, Ken's mom and dad, a bunch of people along with our kids and stuff. So we have seven people on our plan. We can only have two authorized users at a time. So if one of my children or somebody that lives in a different state wants to purchase a phone or change something on their part of the plan, I have to authorize them to do it. We have to give them, we have to confer upon them our authority, it's under my name. Our phone plan is under my name. So Cindy has to give them authority to use my plan. And when I do, they can go in the phone store and they can do anything that they want to do. They have the same authority as me. And that is just an example, but that's an analogy of what Jesus has done for us. The same authority, the same power of influence and privilege, the same right to exercise power that must be obeyed or submitted to, the ability or strength with which, with which one is endued, we have that. It's been commissioned. It's been, we're an authorized user. We also have power. 
If we didn't have power, the authorization wouldn't do us much good. But we also have power. The word power in the Greek is dunamis. That word dunamis, dunamis is an inherent power. Inherent means that it resides in a thing by virtue of its nature. It resides in us. The power, the dunamis power resides in us by virtue of our nature as a son or a daughter of God. It exists within us and it's inseparable from us. We all carry it. Now, whether you use it or not is another question. But you all carry the exousia and the dunamis as sons and daughters of God. I'm going to just point out a question. I didn't ask permission, but I know Dean won't care. Dean asked me a question. Dean, raise your hand. Last week was a really good question. And he was asking about this. He said, do you think all believers have healing power? Yeah. Bottom line is, yes. And I'm going to read you another scripture in a minute to give you evidence of that. But yes, as sons or daughters, we have authority. We have power. Now, there's a difference, and this is a whole other teaching, but there's difference between gifts of the Spirit and the authority and power that all believers carry. Gifts of the Spirit are as the Spirit wills for the body of believers to be edified and built up and strengthened. The, the, the exousia and the authority that we all carry is for all believers. Before I go on and share that scripture, I want to share another meaning of the word dunamis. Another meaning besides, did I say miracle working power already? Maybe I didn't. Dunamis is miracle working power. Healing power, casting out demon power, whatever we need to do. We have that within us. It's also moral power and excellence of soul. If you look it up in a concordance, it says that. So here we are in a, in a, a series on the soul. Dunamis power includes excellence of soul. Excellence is a good a good thing, right? If my soul's excellent, then it's not, it doesn't have to potentially be less than excellent, wounded, sick, uh, whatever, imbalanced. It doesn't have to be. Because according to the word, I carry the dunamis power of God, and that includes excellence of soul. We are empowered. Again, I, I took liberty with that word and put a hyphen in there. The prefix M means to put on, to surround or cover with, to furnish with. Now, we didn't do this to ourselves. When, when Jesus received the authority and the power and commissioned us, he clothed us. The Spirit of God, the power of God surrounded us, furnished us, put this power upon us, clothed us with the power of God. We, as believers, are covered with power. We're furnished with the miracle-working power of God. That might just be blowing you away. We are. That's why I'm sharing it. If you don't know it, 
you're not going to benefit from it, or neither are the people around you that need it. Now, here's the scripture I keep referring to. Mark 16. This is another gospel account of the Great Commission. Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. doesn't say it's going to follow people who don't believe. And I even um, take that word believe, and I, I, I want to explain that I, be, I think that in order for this to happen in us, we need to truly be believing believers. Not just somebody who says, Jesus is my Lord, but doesn't know the full truth of the gospel. I believe that Jesus heals today. I believe it's his will and it's always his will to heal. I believe what the scripture says. And therefore, I believe it's effectual through me because I'm a believing believer. So the scripture says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Isn't that good news? Yes. We have authority over the enemy. The first part of this says they will cast out demons. We have authority over the enemy. The next part says they will speak with new tongues. We have the, the Holy Spirit within us and upon us. Now there's another whole teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I'm not sharing right now. But we have that potential if we ask and receive it. We have protection. It says if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. We have supernatural protection. We have healing in our hands. It says they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I feel like I need to right now. I was at a retreat this weekend and I saw two healings under my hands. One of them was a woman who's had back issues for a long time. She was sitting at a retreat in folding chairs in a ton of pain. I laid hands on her back. The pain left. The next morning, this was late at night on Friday night, the next morning she says, I feel so good. That throbbing pain, that constant pain is gone. I just did what Jesus said to do. The other example is a woman who I believe there was a spirit of pain. The scripture also says we can cast out demons. The reason I think it was a spirit of pain is because she wasn't in any pain. There was a ministry time going on. It was an inner healing retreat. <laughs> That's kind of where God's had me for a bit. It was an inner healing retreat, so there was a lot of inner healing prayer going on. In the midst of that inner healing prayer, something attacked her, and she had a, a spasm in her neck that was so bad her neck was immediately frozen, and she couldn't move it. She, said, uh, she told me later, she said, I was in so much pain, I felt like I was going to get sick. And it happened instantly in the middle of this inner healing. Well, I think the devil wasn't liking what was being removed or something. I don't know. Anyway... Somebody came and got me, and so we laid hands on her and prayed, and we commanded, I commanded the spirit of pain to go. Laid hands on her, and within a very, I'm a very short time, probably less than five minutes, her neck loosed, she was able to move, and all the pain left. We have the authority and the power to exercise 
the same authority, the same power, because we have the spirit of Jesus. So that first big idea in maintaining your healing is we need to know what we carry as believers. We need to know that we carry the authority and the power of Jesus. Here's the second big idea. It's important that we take control of all of our thinking, of all of our thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our, war, our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. I'm going to stop there for a sec. So we're not using physical weapons because we're not fighting a physical enemy. We are using spiritual weapons because we're using our authority and power or, over a spiritual enemy. But look at it. It says we have divinely powerful weapons. Divinely powerful. That's God's power. That's God's dunamis, divinely. And it says, for the destruction of fortresses. Now, there's many different translations. I, I picked this one because it really helped me to explain better. But that word fortresses in other translations is the word strongholds. We've been talking in here during these 10 weeks a lot about strongholds or mindsets where we have unknowingly usually believed lies, usually because we've lived the lies for a long time. That's why this is such an important um, place to be, no matter where you're at in life, because there's always things we need to learn about God's word so it can be opened up to us, so we don't believe the lies anymore. So we have these divinely powerful weapons for the destruction of those ungodly mindsets or ungodly strongholds. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. That's, those are those lies, those strongholds. And this is how we do it. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. So things that we've been talking about, a lot of things that don't agree with God. Lies, fear, uh, after effects of trauma, woundedness and taking in wounds and, and letting it affect you. We need to take captive that stuff and replace it with truth, which is our next big idea. But I've got three areas here, and I'm not going to teach on these. I'm just going to put them out there. There's a whole lot more than this. But these were three big ones that the Holy Spirit brought to me, bang, 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 when I was putting this message together. Number one, we need to be righteousness conscious and not sin conscious. If we focus on sin, we could all sit there and focus. And, and then we just pull us down. God says, take that captive. That's not who you are. If you are Jesus's, if you've been saved, if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, if you're a son of, or a daughter of God, you are righteous. You have been perfected. And that, we need to keep our focus there. And if all that other junk rears up its ugly head, we need to take that captive and not give it life. So that's number one. Number two, be promise-driven, not problem-conscious. 
It's another big one, another whole teaching in and of itself. This, this is the promise of God. If we stay focused on his word and we don't focus on the bigness of the problem, and if we take that problem captive and put our focus here, oh, good things are going to happen. I guarantee it. Next week on Tuesday, I'm going to be sharing, hopefully, not me, I'm inviting four people to share their testimonies. And this is how their testimonies came to pass. They put their focus on Jesus and not on the bigness of the problem. Be promise-driven, not problem-conscious. And the third one, commit to be Jesus-focused and not devil-focused. Now, I feel like sometimes I, I need to preach to Cindy instead of to you <laughs> because we've been focusing a lot on the devil, We've been focusing a lot on the lies, on the roots, on the wounds. My purpose, guys, isn't to be double-focused. My purpose is to expose stuff so that we can get rid of it. And we do that by looking at what Jesus did to conquer it. So be Jesus-focused. Don't blame the devil for everything. It's easier to blame the devil than to renew your mind. And we hear it all the time. You know, I'm being attacked, I'm being attacked, I'm being attacked. Put your eyes on Jesus, and that attack will have to turn and flee. Now, I just want to, I want to lay something out here. I was listening to a really good teaching this week. This isn't in your notes. So just bear with me and just, just listen. Don't try to write this down, but just listen. Wrong thinking, putting your focus on the stuff like the devil, the problem, the sin, Wrong thinking leads to wrong believing. Believing is faith. So wrong thinking can lead to wrong faith. Faith is, fear is faith in the negative. Wrong thinking can lead to wrong believing. Wrong believing can lead to these ungodly mindsets or ungodly strongholds that many of us in this series have been wanting to get rid of. Those wrong strongholds or those wrong mindsets can lead to wrong speaking because you're talking about what you're thinking about. And that wrong thinking can lead to bad fruit, yucky stuff in your life, including sickness or disease. That bad fruit is not truth. That bad fruit is self-focused. You're looking at yourself instead of Jesus. That bad fruit is devaluing who you are because that's not who God says you are. And that, that bad fruit needs to be taken captive like 2 Corinthians 10 says, instead of allowing it to build and be fruitful, God says, put it in prison. Take it captive. Don't put your head focus there. Don't let your mind focus there. But the opposite is also true. So right thinking leads to right believing. Right thinking, focusing on the truth, leads to right Believing. And when you're believing right, those whispered lies, 
those symptoms, those things that might come and attack you, have no power. As, you're, as you are thinking right, believing right, you're building godly strongholds. There's good strongholds. You're building godly strongholds instead of those ungodly ones. You're building godly strongholds of truth. And then out of your mouth comes truth. Out of your heart, your mouth speaks. And good fruit is the result. The next heading in your paper says, Renew your mind with the truth. Knowing God's truth, knowing the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth. The word knowing, I want you to think way, way beyond intellectual knowing. Knowing the truth, conceiving the truth, like getting pregnant. The word knowing is a very, um, oh, another whole teaching. It's a word that can literally be translated as conceiving a baby. Like when Adam knew Eve and they had a baby, it's the same word. Knowing the truth, we conceive it first of all. It means the seed, you let it in, you receive it. That's what you did, Norma. You didn't understand it, but you let it in to your heart. And then there's the process of incubating it. It's like being pregnant. It takes a long time sometimes. Well, in, in natural, it takes us nine months to conceive, to conceive and then incubate a baby before it's ready to deliver. And oftentimes, as we're, as we're coming to know truth, there is an incubation period, and it's a good thing. This is one of the huge ways to maintain your freedom. It's one thing to get healed. It's another thing to stay healed. Renewing your mind. I've given you a whole lot of truth with every single session that we've talked about. I haven't just weeded out. We have done a lot of weeding, but we've also given you truth to go with it. So those truths will set you free. Renewing your mind. So I'm going to give you a few scriptures, and then I'm going to give you some strategies. This is a new scripture I just discovered. <laughs> I think God just put it in the Bible. Philippians 2, verse 5. I've never read this and, and, and had it settle in my heart till this week. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Talks about having the mind of Christ. We're talking about renewing our mind. But the key word here is the first word. Let. We have an option. We have a choice. We need to let the mind of Christ be in us. We have it. The scripture says we have the mind of Christ. But renewing our mind to his word establishes his truth within us. John 14.30 says, Jesus is speaking in the scripture. And he says, I will not talk with you much more. This is right before he went through the passion and the crucifixion and then the resurrection. He said, I will not talk with you much more. For the prince, the evil genius, the ruler of the world is coming. And he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There's nothing in me that belongs to him. And he has no power over me. Now we know that Jesus was crucified and he died. And the devil thought he was stupid. He thought 
he had power. He thought he was killing the Messiah. He didn't realize that Jesus was providing our redemption in the midst of it. He said he had nothing in common with me. There's nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. When our mind is renewed, we have that same position. The enemy has no power over us, no hold over us. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love the scripture. God says, don't conform to the world. Don't do it the world's way. Don't buy into the mindsets, into the lies, into the deception, but be transformed. The word transformed is the same root word as our word metamorphosis. Transform means to be changed from one form into another. And God says we do that through the renewing of our mind. The word renew can also be translated renovate. If you're going to renovate something in your home, let's, let's say a kitchen. If you're going to renovate your kitchen, the first thing you need to do is demolition. You don't put the, well, usually, you don't put the new countertop on top of the old. You don't, you, you take it out. You, you take it all apart. You take out the old cabinets. You take out the old countertops. You take out the old floors, and then you put in the new. When we renew our mind, we need to do that. We need to demolish the lies. We've been doing a lot of demolishing of lies over the last 10 weeks. We need to get the weeds out of the garden. We need to do the demolition so that we can plant and cultivate the truth of the word. When Norma walked in to this meeting, she had to make a choice. Because she had some mindsets. I know, because I was in the same place as Norma. I had to make some choices to demolish some truths that had been taught to me as truths, but were only partial truths. And in order to believe God's will to heal me, I had to get rid of stuff that was not in agreement with that. I had to demolish that and replace it with truth. And God says that we're transformed as that happens. James 1.21, this is another one of our foundational scriptures for this series from the Message Bible. Throw away all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. That's the weeds. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. In all of these scriptures we're talking about, the renewal comes through the word of God. Jesus, or God, landscapes us with his word, his truth. And his goal, God's goal, is to make a salvation garden of our life. That's the divine life I mentioned at the very beginning tonight. Divine healing, divine health, divine life. That's the salvation garden. Jesus came to give us a life of abundance. That's what salvation includes. Everything in the beautiful gift of grace. Healing, eternal life, freedom from, freedom from the dominion of sin complete remission of all sin, past, present, future. Wholeness in our soul 
as well as our body. And then 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 through 18. But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I want to stop there for a sec. My prayer, my heartfelt desire is to, to lead people to Jesus. That's what repentance is. Repentance isn't some you know, guilty condemnation. Oh God, I'm awful. I sinned, I sinned. Uh-uh, that's not what repentance is. As a daughter of the king, that's not who I am. But repentance means I run to Jesus all the time, every day with any need. This scripture says when we come to Jesus in repentance, when a person turns in repentance and faith, Faith, believing him, believing God, believing his word, even if you don't understand it, choosing to believe. When you turn to God and have faith, the veil is taken away. All those lies, all that deception, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty emancipation from bondage and true freedom we're talking about maintaining freedom we're talking about getting bondage broken off and walking in the freedom that jesus came to give us where the spirit of the lord is he's here he's in my mind he's in my heart he's upon me he's within me and he is you too where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty emancipation from bondage and true freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, because the veil's been removed, continually seeing, as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So when he's talking about the mirror, look at your, your Bible. Look at your word as a mirror, because that's what it is. When you read his truth, when you let that truth be seed and water and fertilizer to your soul, it's a mirror. And you progressively see your image in the word. You progressively see yourself reflected back clearer and clearer and clearer looking more and more and more like the identity that god says you are you start believing who god says you are as you renew your mind with his truth with his promises you're the daughter you're the son of god you have authority you have power you were healed through the stripes of jesus he loves you. The perfect love of God casts out fear. Whatever it is you're reading, as you just let it sow and, and, and become richer and richer and deeper and deeper in your heart, you become clearer and clearer reflection of this word. And it says you're transformed into his very own image. Glory to glory to glory. Now I want to, I want to share another one more nugget before we go on. This is, oh, this one is such a treasure. 
the word transformed that was in Romans 12 2 where it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind that word transformed and the word that we just read in Corinthians that says we are progressively being transformed into his very own image that word in the Greek is only used three times in the New Testament that's two of them the third one is when Jesus was transfigured when Jesus went to the mountaintop with his inner circle Peter James and John and before their eyes he was transfigured and the glory of the Lord just shone around him and the voice from heaven spoke this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased that's the same word I don't know about you but that just about undoes me God tells us to be transfigured to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so we're talking today about maintaining your freedom about being renewed in a way where we know God's truth in such a way that his truth that we've already been focusing on when we when we renew our mind when we meditate on it when we allow it to change us then that thing has no more hold over us guys when I was healed of cancer the devil tried to put it back in my body two times my mind was so renewed to his word even though I went through a major attack and even though I had to dig in deeper and deeper and deeper and even though I had to have people come alongside me to help me during those two other instances I maintained my healing but I was deeply rooted and grounded in his word of truth so whatever the area that you have been dealing with and it may be multiple areas but whatever area in your soul you've been dealing with whether it's trauma whether it's bitter root whether it's fear whatever that soul issue is you need to do what I did with physical healing you need to dig in and renew your mind become new become diff you're not a caterpillar anymore you're a butterfly but in order to get from a caterpillar to a butterfly there's a process and that's the renewing of your mind now what I'm going to share now is based on um, Dr. Caroline Leaf's teaching. This is called switching on your brain. And it's called, it's about detoxing your brain. Let me, uh, let me, oh, okay, Father, help me to do this in a way that is user-friendly and in a way that isn't um, too much to take in. So I just thank you, God, that you give me the way to, to share this. This doctor is a Christian, a strong Christian woman. And um, so what her, her ministry is, is exactly what we're talking about. It's getting rid of soul junk and becoming new. And that's what this detoxing of the brain is. But what I've done, I did it for me first, and it, it was so powerful I wanted to share it with you. Do you remember a, a few weeks ago when I talked about the... Um, being landlocked and how God showed me I had three areas 
One was um, fear of rejection, one was fear of man, and one was timidity. And I didn't want to be landlocked. Landlocked means that I have a property that I wasn't able to access. And the reason I couldn't access it fully was because of those issues. I went through that 21-day detox that Dr. Caroline Leaf shares about and teaches about. And these are the strategies that she teaches. However, and I'm just going to say this with high esteem of Dr. Caroline Leaf, I had a hard time understanding it. She's a scientist. And even though she's a good scientist, and what she does is she proves science with the Word of God. I love it when doctors do that. But it was hard for me to put it all together and apply it with that book. But one of the gifts God has given me is simplifying things and, and synthesizing things and putting it together and sharing it. So that's what I'm going to do my best to do right now. So there's five strategies. She suggests, and I agree with this, that you do this renewing of your mind for 21 days. That's brain research. It takes time to develop a habit. It takes time to change from an ungodly mindset to a godly mindset. She suggests taking one issue. So like I said, go to God, ask him, God, what is it? What is the thing you want me to work on? Is it a bitter root? Is it a, a, a lie? For me, it was those three that were combined. They were all very similar. Fear of, of rejection, fear of man, and timidity. So that's what I did. I kind of rolled them all in a ball, and I, that was my focus. And I did it for 21 days. And these are the strategies. I gave you a lot of notes because I wanted you to be able to apply it. So these are the five strategies. I did not do them in one specific order. What I did was I, every day, I would look at these five strategies and I would say, okay, God, where are we going today? And then I would go into the process of seeking God about them, about, about the issue. For me, I set a, a time limit because you could spend hours on this and I don't have hours and I'm sure you have less time than me because I'm blessed to be retired. But I set aside 20 minutes. So for 20 minutes a day, I did stuff from these five strategies. And after 21 days, I felt like a new person. And I'm still walking it out. I'm still seeing where I need to, you know, tweak things and, and, and continually renew my mind. But there's a difference. Okay, so here's the first strategy. It's called gather. Gather. Gathering is basically what we've been doing over the last 10 weeks. Okay? It's the exposing the lies and bringing them to the surface. But I want to just give you a nugget. This is really cool. As, as hum, human beings, we have a choice to decide whether or not an incoming experience or thoughts or memories become a part of who you are. One thing that we teach in our healing class is that we don't have to receive a doctor's report. That doctor's report is a fact, but we don't have to receive it into our soul. We know the truth that Jesus healed us, that it's done. So when that report comes, we can say, I exalt the truth over the facts. I'm not going to receive that. I'm denying its right to exist. It might be a fact, but I'm not letting it in, and I'm not receiving it. 
We can do the same thing in the area of our soul. We can do the same thing. You can choose to receive those things. You might have the opportunity to be very, 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 very hurt. You can receive it. You can let that wound come in and develop a root, a wound. You can have bitterness attached to it and all sorts of stuff. And you can let it come in. And when it does, it will be converted. This is the brain science part. It will be converted into permanent thoughts or memories and become part of who you are. Okay? That's not good. Or you can choose not to receive it. You can choose not to dwell on it, let it come in and take root. If you choose not to receive it, it will be only temporary and it will disappear. Every day we have potential for offense. Every day we have potential to be wounded. And there's all sorts of other things too, but I'm just going to use that as an example. This weekend, I had an amazing weekend at that retreat, but I had the opportunity to be hurt. And at first, when that, when that thing happened, my, just like you guys, I had this yucky thing in my gut, and I said, oh, I'm not receiving that. I'm at a retreat. God's got good stuff for me, not bad stuff. And I let it go. I went to God, prayed about it, let him love on me, did what I said. Repentance means you run to God with belief, with faith. That's what I did. And that thing, I don't even remember. It will literally not become a part of your memory. There's something that we have out in the world called selective memory. Selective listening. It's a good thing. We don't have to remember stuff. Uh, I, there are things I choose to remember. There are other things I choose not to put up there in my long term. And part of it is my soul. I'm not going to receive it. And it will literally not even stay in there. Okay. But there are things from our past that maybe we have allowed in. And that's why this gathering is important. Now, when those things come to the focus, the memories, the thoughts, there are two things that are connected. Emotions and attitudes. They're all connected. So as those memories are gathered, like when we went and we talked about mother wounds earlier or father wounds, when they were gathered and brought to the surface, along with those things came emotions and attitudes. So that's the gathering. Now here's a key. It's important to listen to your soul, but not to let it call the shots. So these things, these emotions that are connected to the memories and the attitudes, the emotions and the attitudes are like road signs. And those road signs are good to read. Road signs are good. Those road signs can tell you what to do. If those road signs, if those emotions are things like depression or anger or anxiety or feeling overwhelmed, it's pointing you that you need to deal with it and let God heal it. So that's not a bad thing because we want healed. But it's a sign. It's a road sign. If the emotions that come with a memory are filled with peace 
and joy, fulfillment, strength, fortitude, etc. It's a road sign that God is, is your God. You've given him lordship over it. You're good. So emotions, even though uh, some of them don't feel good, they are road signs that point us in the, in the direction. We just need to know what to do with it. So that's the first step, is gathering. Now all of the rest is dealing with what you've gathered. The second step is called focused reflection. During this focused reflection, we're going to do repealing of toxic strongholds, and we're going to replace them with the truth of God's word and his promises. So we're repealing and replacing. That's a good thing, right? Okay, so let's talk about the repeal and the replace. The repeal part, first of all, first step, repentance. Run to Jesus. Run to God. Pour your heart out to him. Turn away from the problem. When repenting, you're changing your mind. You're saying, I'm done with that. I'm running to Jesus, and he's going to help me take care of this. Run to Jesus. Run toward the solution. That's repentance. And then the second part of repeal is forgiveness. Now, we've done lots of forgiveness over the last 10 weeks. I just wanted, I just wanted to put on this, this strategy sheet steps so that you can use these again if needed. So I've given you some um, help to walk through the forgiveness, which includes forgiveness, choosing to forgive. It includes letting it go. It includes releasing judgment, because sometimes we kind of decide we're the judge, and that's not, that's not our role. So we're releasing the judgment to the just judge, which is God. And then the last part of this is, um, I really haven't shared this, but it's good, so I'm going to share it now. It's acknowledging that a need that you had was not met by the person that hurt you. But the good news is you can go to Jesus and say, will you fill that need for me? Maybe it's a need of being loved. Maybe it's a need of being protected. Maybe it's a need of provision. Say, Jesus, show me how you meet that need for me. So that's the repealing part. The replacing part is to change your focus. Put your focus on God and his word. This is the renewal of the mind that we just read all those scriptures about. Now, I want to share two of the nuggets from Dr. Leaf's book that were really very powerful. And here's the first one. As you mentally rehearse a thought, now we're talking about God's thoughts, God's word. As we mentally rehearse God's word, the newly built truth or word becomes increasingly stronger and begins to grow connections in your brain to neighboring nerve cells and integrating that thought into other thought patterns. So there's a bonus. When we meditate on the word of God, it's not just for one situation. It, it, our brain makes connections. So as I forgive, for example, if I make the choice to get that bitter root out of me and I'm focusing on an issue with, let's say, um, my dad, and I'm focusing and meditating and, and meditating on that, then all of a sudden it can apply to something else that happens to me. There's connections that are built. Now, that's true when we meditate on God's word. It's also true in the negative. 
if we're focusing on the toxic thought patterns, same thing happens. Connections, networking, but it's not. That's, that's not good because it's spreading out throughout different areas of your life. So that's the first nugget. The second one is called mental practice. It includes imagination, visualization, deep thought, and reflection. Those activities produce the same physical changes in the brain as if we were physically carrying out the same imagined processes. So let me give you an example of that. When I was going through my 21-day detox, one of the issues that I was dealing with was fear of man and stepping out of my comfort zone, and especially in, in my whole life is about, which is healing ministry. It's easy for me here. It's not so easy if I'm in the marketplace. So I, was, I would literally imagine purposefully stepping out of my comfort zone somewhere in the grocery store or whatever. And I would focus and meditate on me seeing a person in the grocery store with a need, walking up to them saying, you know, what's, what's going on? Can I pray for you? And then praying for them and seeing the, 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 the result of that prayer. Now, according to the brain research, that focused imagination has the same effect in my brain as if I had physically done that in the grocery store. And it grows and it strengthens you in that good mindset that's based on the truth. Isn't that cool? That's brain research. The next strategy is writing. Writing down your thoughts consolidates the soul healing and adds clarity to the truth that you've been meditating on. As you add more information and links with other branches, and then it says to add more information and links with other branches as Abba continues to unveil deeper levels of his truth for you. So the recommendation is, as part of the 21-day detox, is to journal and to write stuff down. And, and the suggestion is, and this is again based on brain science, is to be creative in your notes. Because as you do, as you pour out your thoughts in a creative way, using things like diagrams, word associations, color, texture, as you do that, you are encouraging both sides of your brain to work together to integrate the two perspectives of thought. The left side of the brain looks at information from the detail to the big picture, and the right side of the brain works from the, the um, big picture to the detail. And both of those together grow it deeper and deeper and deeper. So this is my journal, and you're welcome to peruse through it if you want to. And you can just see, I have all sorts of stuff in here. I, and I did that. I, I would go back, and I would reread, and I would use other colors, and I would add things to my little charts, my little messy charts. And I, sometimes I would go to, to scripture and God would give me a word and I would look that scripture up in a bunch of different translations and I would print them out and I would highlight and make notes on them and I would just read them out loud and, and let God show me things. Lovely drawing here of this is, this is Cindy with God in me, little tiny God. And then I was changing my thinking and it's like this is God with a little tiny Cindy in him. I like that one better. That's, I, that's what I visualize now when I'm praying with you. Instead of me praying, I visualize God standing there laying hands on you and I'm a little bitty Cindy inside of a great big God. 
And that was just one of the things that God gave me as a picture. So write, draw. It just, it just deepens that truth in you. The next strategy is to revisit. When God's truth is activated and moved, okay, so this is what happens. And this is, again, brain research. When we gather the thoughts, that was the first step. When we gather the thoughts and, they, um, and the emotions and the attitudes come with them, the, the part of your brain that stores that is back here. But when you do the gathering, it moves from back here to up here. And when it moves to the frontal lobe of your brain, that's when it can be changed. That's when it can be revised or edited. So as you're going through this process, that's exactly what's happening. Part of that is evaluating. <clears throat> once it's up here, once it's in the forefront, you can evaluate where you were, where you want to be, and maybe where you are now, because you might be in the middle of the process of growing and being healed, being set free for good. Revisit what you've written down. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you into the full and complete truth about the healthy new mindset he's revealing to you. Visualize yourself living out the new mindset. And then this is, oh, I love this part. So it's up here. It's in the forefront of your brain. You're meditating on where you were, where you are now, where you see yourself whole. And one of the things I do is I speak out loud what's been crucified. Because all the yuck has been crucified with Christ. So I speak out loud. So I say, oh, fear of man, uh-uh, you're no longer in me. You've been crucified. That's the old Cindy. And I speak it out loud, whatever that thing is, whatever it is. Maybe you've got issue um, with bitter root and you just can't let go of something. You say, oh, no, I forgave that. I did that. I chose to forgive. I did that a long time ago. It's done. And just speak it out loud. That's been crucified. That's under the blood. Speak it out loud. The second thing to speak out loud is what you've been resurrected into. Who you really are. I do not have a spirit of timidity. I have the power, the love, and the soundness of mind of Christ. That's who I am. That's who I have. That's what I have. So start speaking out both what has been crucified and what has been resurrected. That's part of that revisiting part of the strategy. The last part is called the active reach. And that's where you plan and take action to use that new healthy mindset. It's taking action. It's making a plan. This is the doing, this is stepping out of your comfort zone possibly and making it and taking an action. That will cause it to become automized like a good habit. In James 2, 17, the Bible says, So also faith, if it does not have works, deeds and actions of obedience to back it up, by itself is destitute of power, inoperative or dead. I want my faith to be operative and alive. So we need to act the part. I need to act that part of being bold in the grocery store or in the park or wherever it is I am and take that step out of my comfort zone. I haven't done it very much. I'm preaching to me right now. Okay, so we're going to close with this. On your sheet it says, 
I'm not sure what it says. Up here it says the great exchange. If you can go to the next slide, please. I want to tell you, um, okay, that's an hour off. Okay, it's 8.30. I'm closing now. Um, I was listening to a teaching about maintaining your freedom when I was preparing this. And this woman was sharing her story about when she was doing the gather stage and she was bringing up this junk and giving it to God and she knew she didn't want it. So she was just bringing it up, acknowledging it and giving it to God. And when she did that, she saw a picture in her mind. This is a really gross picture, but it was so powerful. I'm going to share it with you. She saw herself throwing up all the junk, the wounds, the lies, the yuck. She saw herself throwing up. And in her vision, Jesus went and gathered up all the vomit. And when he did, it turned into precious gemstones and jewels. You see, the scripture we're going to read in Isaiah shows the great exchange. Jesus exchanges all of our yuck for beauty, for good, for excellent stuff. He paid for it with his blood. He paid for it with his life. And he wants us to live the fullness that he's ordained for us. In Isaiah 61, I started this 10 weeks ago. This is one of the first scriptures I read. And I'm going to start with verse 3 this time. I'm going to read through verse 7. And I've underlined a bunch of words on the screen. And I want you to show, I just want to show you the jewels, the treasure, the gemstones that God has for us. He says, to all who mourn in Israel, the word Israel is also Zion. And the word Zion means parched place. So if you're in a dry place, a barren place, a di place of disappointment, or maybe unrest, God says to you, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild their ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they've been deserted for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. An everlasting joy will be yours. That's a lot of jewels, a lot of gems, a lot of amazing gifts that God has for us to take all of our yuck and replace it with his amazing gifts of, of grace. So at the very beginning of this session, very beginning of this series, We looked at God's desire. He said, Beloved, I desire above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. 
And in Proverbs 23, 7, Scripture says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your whole life reflects the condition of your soul. So, Father, I've done the best that I could do to share truth to set us free. Truth of your love, of your good plan and your purpose for us to live in wholeness in our soul. Because I know that wholeness in our soul is directly related to prosperity in our life and health in our body. So Father, I pray, I agree with you, and I desire above all things that all those who have, who have sought your healing through this series, who have been here, who have listened, who have prayed, who have let go of things. Father, I pray that we seek you, that we run to you, that we let you, God, heal us and build us up and break us out of bondage and help us to develop and establish new minds, renewed minds, transformed minds so that we can live the fullness of life that you came to give us. And God, above all, we know that you are God, that you are our Father, that you have it all planned, a good plan, a good purpose, a good future. We exalt you. We worship you. We put our eyes on you, Jesus. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We fix our eyes on your price that you paid, the work that you already accomplished, the death that you died so that we could live, the trauma that you took so that we could be free of trauma, the mental anguish that you went through so that we could live free of mental anguish, the love that you poured out for us so that we could live a life of abundance. We worship you, Jesus. We exalt you, Lord. May souls be completely revived and bodies be miraculously set free and healed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.